Why is it we humans get romanced by complexity when the answers can be found at a simple and practical level? This is the Simply Practically Human podcast, where the human manager, Mark Labasque, features experts who have a track record in humanising workplaces, using simplicity and practicality as their go-to approach. It's all about getting back to what it is to be human and watch workplaces thrive rather than just survive. Hey there, fellow humans. We're back again. It's a Saturday morning. It's uh, the Beanie Boys, Craig Harper and Mark LaBusk, just uh, riffing about all sorts of topics, all things human, no agenda, no pre-planned questioning. We spent, I reckon, about a minute just going, how you going? Yep, all right. And then he asked, how are you going? I said, not so good. So we're going to talk a bit today about uh, what's going on when you're not so good. We'll sort of kick off there. And um, I found it really, really useful for me to to talk to Craig about some uh, what I called being feeling a little bit successfully unfulfilled at the moment. And I uh, credit my good friend Brian Clinworth for sharing that word uh, or those, that term with me just recently. Today, we're going to get into talking about the power of stopping and reflecting, maybe just for a few minutes a day and why that's so important to you, why it's something that if you got your 1,400-odd minutes in a day, why can't you find five to 10 minutes to stop and reflect? And we'll share some questions that you should consider as you are stopping and, and reflecting. We're going to talk a little bit about comparison today. And why is it from a human hardwiring perspective that, that we do walk into a room and compare, or we get onto social media and we compare, or we look in the mirror and we compare. So we're going to talk a little bit about comparison and I love the really, really useful tip that Harps gives on maybe reframing a little bit about it when you walk into that room, looking at it in a different way. Really, really important. We're going to talk a bit about doing the work. And this is something that comes up a lot about, you know, if you want to make progress, you've got to be prepared to do the work. Wonderful to get on and listen to these podcasts and say, oh, that's some great ideas, but then what do you do next? And I think what you do next is really, really important. So that's sort of where we're going today. Harps finishes up talking about um, his beanies for the the U Project, which are for sale on his website, which is going to a really good cause, which is um, the Danny Frawley uh, Wellness Centre that's being um, is under construction now, and all profits will be going to that. So that's something else to look at. Get onto Harps's website. And um, maybe buy yourself, as he says, nine or 10 beanies and give a few away. But a great uh, cause that uh, he's involved with. And I know that, uh, as he said, Danny was a dear friend of his. So have a listen, take some notes, and most importantly, do the work. We'll catch you at the end. Hello, fellow humans around the world. It's Mark LaBusque for the Simply Practically Human podcast. And again, joined by the amazing Craig Harper. Harps, how are you, mate? Hello, mate. I'm very good. Thanks for having me again. No worries. Uh, enjoying having you again. Hey, um, I wanted to start with some advice from you, mate, because I'm ready. I'm feeling as flat as a shit carter's hat um, mm. this week. And it's, it's interesting. I, there's a couple of things I'll share with you first is that having a bit of a chat to our next door neighbour, Kate, uh, she's a wonderful, wonderful lady. We were talking to her last weekend, obviously over the fence because we can't go into each other's houses at the moment in lockdown five here in, in Melbourne. 
And she was talking about how lockdowns have been just chiseling away at her yeah. over over time. And um, just this week for me, I know Wednesday I had like a, it's like a can't be fucked day. So I did some really mundane stuff, but I don't know what's going on for me, mate, but I reckon it's chiseled away at me pretty hard. And I, I interviewed a guy on Thursday, Brian Clinworth. He's a career coach and he used this term which was successfully unfulfilled. And that really rang a, rang a bell for me this week. I'm feeling like, yeah, things are going all right. What, what is success? But I'm just feeling unfulfilled at the moment, mate. I'm wondering if the great uh, Craig Harper can, can help me out of this or help me through it. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? It's like that's that thing that I call, or part of it is the duality of being human, which is sometimes from the outside looking in, our life's all shiny and amazing and successful and and by conventional standards or KPIs, we are successful or a version of successful. You know, we're making good dough, we've got a good house and car and situation and circumstance and careers all right and all of that stuff and I'm healthy and my partner's healthy and my kids are healthy or whatever. But in the middle of all of that, what seems to be success or a pretty good situational outcome, sometimes that picture is not represented internally for us or that that three-dimensional version of what we're in is not the same as the, you know, the cognitive, emotional, spiritual version. And so, yeah, I, I think that kind of poses the question, you know, what is success and is happiness an outside-in job or an inside-out job? And it's a multidimensional thing, because it's not just about, of course, we need to pay the bills. Look, you know, if we can't pay the bills or feed the family or heat the house or put petrol in the car, of course, that's going to impact all the other stuff, you know, mental and emotional health and all that stuff too. But conversely, to have all of those things doesn't necessarily guarantee that we feel fulfilled, as you said, or that we have a deep sense of meaning and purpose. And I think these are the bigger questions to ask. And you know, the thing is, I love your rawness and I love the fact that, you know, here we are on a podcast, which for the most part, we we generally are talking about how to, you know, think better, do better, be better. But you're going, actually, I'm having a shit week. And I'm going, well, well done you for acknowledging that. And two, welcome to being human, you know. And so on a really practical coachy level, I would say to you, well, I'm more interested in you now when things aren't going well. Yeah, I'm interested in how you respond and what you do in the middle of the shit week because there are many more shit weeks to come. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so that's the practical coachy side. And then the more philosophical deep side, I guess, is, you know, maybe on a, a deeper level, is there, and you don't need to figure this out by, Sunday lunchtime, but on a deeper level, is there something missing? Yeah. Is there something relating to the meaning of your life or your what you think your purpose should be or perhaps it's something more spiritual or is there something that's not there? Because sometimes, 
sometimes we tickle. And I've, I told you that story, I think, last time we chatted about when I went away and had my two weeks in isolation and when I went all Dalai Lama on myself. And, you know, that was just a tiny pattern interrupt. But I, I actually suggest, and this is one of the hardest things that people can do, but I think sometimes we're so busy being busy, me included, right? Yeah. Is that we're not really ever still. And I think for me, one of the, and I remember it clearly, I remember every day of it, and it was uh, 20 years ago for me. I suggest that, and again, this is not practical for everyone, but for those listening who can, if you can get away by yourself for a minimum of two, but preferably three days a year, where you do not talk to another human, you don't read anything, you don't have a phone, you don't have a computer, you don't have a television, it's just you and you and maybe a few trees and a river or the beach or but where you can't distract yourself with something, where you have to feel what you feel, think what you think, and then go deep on that, I believe that can make the other 362 days of the year much better. Yeah. yeah. But we avoid shit like this all of the time because it scares us because we don't want to be totally, totally alone with us. I mean, even in lockdown, we still have a million distractions. Yeah. But- for you, mate, I think, you know, you ride the storm and you go, wow, what, what am I feeling exactly? What's the emotion? And I wonder where this is coming from. And so you bring another emotion into the picture and that is maybe curiosity. Yep. Which I know sounds cliche and bullshitty, but can I just tell you something which is seems unrelated, but it's kind of related. Sure. So when I was younger, I, from when I was 15 onwards, I had a girlfriend, right? 16th girlfriend, 17th girlfriend, and I'd always have to have someone in my life because I was insecure and I needed someone to dig me and I needed, I needed to feel good about myself and if I was single, I didn't. And I guess I was about, I don't know, 30 or something and <laughs> so there'd been, there'd been a string of girlfriends who were all lovely humans and anyway, I broke up with this lady that that was the right thing to do and I knew it was the right thing to do and it wasn't that she was bad or not good enough for me or it just wasn't a great fit and it, we probably wouldn't have lived happily ever after per se. And I remember literally the next day, the, the day that, I, that we broke up, I went, it was almost relief. I went, yeah, that was the right thing to do. The next day was hard because it was just me. The next day, all I wanted to do was be back with her. Yeah, yep. And it wasn't because... She was the one. It was because I fucking hated being alone so much and not having someone give me attention or stroke my ego or nurture me or whatever I needed or I thought I needed. And I actually, I consciously, <laughs> I, I did a deep dive on why I was so uncomfortable to be alone and what that was about. Yeah, And I made a decision that week that I, I wasn't even going to go on a date for a year. And so for a year, I didn't even have a coffee with anyone. <laughs> I didn't go on a date. I didn't have a girlfriend, didn't see a movie, didn't do a dinner. I didn't do anything. But what I did was I, I spent, <laughs> which is probably why I'm so weird now, but I just spent a lot of time going deep and thinking. No, I like it, mate. Some really good things for me to think about. Like, 
I might jump in a bit deeper here because as you were talking, there's a, there's some things going through my mind. I reckon the last couple of weeks, I run this thing called a Zoom Room Provocation on a Thursday and people from all around the world jump on and we talk about all sorts of crazy topics. And the last couple of weeks, a couple of them have been sort of messaging me later going, are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm fine. Yep, no worries. And you seem a bit off. And um, I was having a, you just talked about loneliness then. I fucking hate loneliness, like yep. seriously. Um, I know when, if Alison goes away on a girls weekend or something like that, I fucking hate being here really? on my own. But also yesterday, mate, when I was driving my car back from my daughter's joint, this thing came into my mind. I had a twin brother. Mm. And he passed away at three months of age. He had a hole in his heart. So mm. back in 1967, I don't think there was much they could do about that. And I I wonder how that was for my parents. I always wonder about that. But sometimes I have this thought of, fucking what's that got to do with me and being lonely as well? And this is pretty deep, hanging out inside my mum for nine months with this other dude, Andrew, his name was, and... I sometimes wonder about how that that's impacted on on me and feeling like I've missed out on something that I'm alone that I should have had that. And the other thing that came to mind for me too when you were speaking and you talk about successfully unfulfilled, mate. I have an absolute fear of financial insecurity. Mm. And the interesting thing now is I'm financially pretty bloody secure with a good business and you know successful business, as you said. So I, that's not playing on my mind now. The way that I seem to be dealing with it, as I did this morning, I went out into my home gym and flogged the fuck out of myself on the rogue bike and the spin bike and the ergo arm machine and the rower. What I noticed today, mate, and you're a, you're a sports scientist, working at the same sort of intensity as I usually do, my heart rate was about 12, 10 to 12 beats a minute higher than usual. Mm. What's going on there? Is that a is that all related to maybe something going on inside me that I'm I'm trying to fix by just exercising hard and hoping it'll go away, and then it's telling me it's giving me some signs. What what what's what are you mm. thinking about that? Yeah, that's really interesting. So you said a lot then. So I'm going to jump around. Yep, and talk about the heart rate. Last, remind me. Right. So first thing is, and and you know I'm. I'm probably not the, the, well, I'm definitely not the expert in this space, but my, my intuitive guess, Mark, would be that for sure that the impact of losing your twin brother is more significant than you think, perhaps not in the conscious, but definitely in your subconscious because you know, like you had and probably still have a connection that most siblings don't have because most siblings are not twins. Yeah. You know, and I think like my dad's a twin, interestingly, and and all the twins that I know or most of them, there's some inexplicable connection beyond just biology and genetics. There's something else going on that that we can't really explain. So that makes sense to me that there would be like otherwise why would you at this age be thinking about that? Where would that come from? It it absolutely is something. So I think it'd be worth, you know, and again, this is not a coaching session and I don't know what this is like for a listening experience for your listeners and mine, but 
just thinking out loud, I, I would open that door and I would just go down that path to see, you know, what comes up for you. Because the other thing too, and I'll get to the I'm exhausted, my heart rate's elevated stuff in a moment, but in especially in Western kind of treatment models, we separate everything, the mind, the body, nutrition, you know, emotional health. Everything is treated separately and that's understandable, but human beings are not individual components. Yeah. You know, we're, we're a collective of m- many things, you know, and so everything, the mind affects the, like literally a thought, a th- one thought like, you know, I'm in danger, just a thought, even if I'm not in danger. Let's say the practical reality is I'm not in danger, but I think I am. Well, just that creates an emotional response of fear and anxiety. And and then that creates a biological response, literally in the body, the biochemistry of the body changes and, you know, cardiovascular system and nervous system and endocrine system, all these things change because I had a thought, right? And the thought is I'm in danger when reality I'm not. So the reality of the situation doesn't change my biology. My thinking about what is going on changes it. So everything operates together and nothing operates in total autonomy or isolation. That's the first thing. So when we talk about things like placebos and nocebos and you know, where we hear of crazy shit happening, to me, it's not that crazy. Yeah. It's just that yep. we don't understand it. Like I, and this is going to sound out there coming from the bloke who has a, a science degree in exercise science and a, and a half a PhD and also in neuropsychology to say, I actually think we can heal ourselves, not from everything and not easily, but I think that the body has an ability to self-heal far greater in conjunction with the mind, far greater than we currently understand. And I think over time, we're going to find this to be true. And there's more and more research coming out on, in fact, I've got a guy on my show in the next week or two, which I'll try and hook you up with, who's a fucking brilliant doctor, researcher, who, who has gone down reluctantly think he's a Harvard lecturer, but reluctantly went through this placebo door because he kept getting evidence of it and, and just has discovered all this amazing shit. What's my point? My point is the mind, emotions, and body work together. Yeah, okay. Okay, so then specific to you being tired, so what we know is that when your resting heart rate's elevated in the morning, you are either one, underslept, two, overtrained, underslept slash under-recovered, two overtrained and or three as well, or perhaps in isolation, uh, stressed and anxious. So you're producing stress hormones, adrenaline, cortisol, et cetera. So that also will elevate your resting heart rate. So the resting heart rate in the morning is a really, really good and reliable indicator of the state your body is in. And so for me, I would be either winding back the intensity on those days, having a day off, you know, but so too with the body, broadly speaking, and the mind and the emotional system, there's no concrete plan because what will be great for Mark last Wednesday when he was bursting out of his fucking skivvy 
would be running 10Ks at, you know, four and a half minute pace and then cranking out, you know, whatever on the, or whatever, right? Yeah. Yet today, what's good for you is a walk and some stretching. Yeah, gotcha. Because Mark today is not Mark last Wednesday. Yep. No, I like it, mate. And that that's that variability component where we, and again, coming back to this whole thing of biological or biofeedback and tuning in because you might not know what's going on with your body, but your body knows. Yeah. And you don't have to understand it. You just pay attention to the data and you go, oh, I get out of bed normally my heart rate's 57 today at 70. Yes. There's something going on. Yep. Yeah, interesting. It usually sits around 45 to 47 and today it was up 10 and and I'm, I'm working out and I'm like, fuck, this is not as feeling as hard as what it usually does, but there's something going on. But, but uh, listening to your body, I think that's a really important piece. Uh, the advice you've just given me, I think, is is useful. The other thing that's coming to mind for me is that with this chiselling away piece, and I'm sure other people are feeling this, not just here in Melbourne, but New South Wales now and around the world, is when I look back in the last, let's call it six to eight weeks, we're supposed to go to Darwin with Alison to do a bike ride. We're then off to Arnhem Land for our 30th wedding anniversary. Didn't happen. Two events cancelled this week, um, rescheduled for in the future. It's like, fucking hell. And, and loving, as you, I know you do, loving being in the room and a lot of my identity comes from being in the room and not being in the room, I think that's the chiselling piece here. But enough about me, mate. I think you've given me some things to dig a bit deeper into. Certainly there's something around the the Andrew piece I still want to work on this thing around the financial thing because that used to scare the shit out of me, but I'll, I'll dig into that a bit. But I, I just want to say to you before we jump onto whatever, the beauty of you doing what you're doing, so you're a leader, you're a coach, you're a mentor, you're a speaker, you're a podcaster, uh, you're a business person, uh, but you, before all of that, you're a bloke. Yep. And this is the ongoing thing. This is the ongoing thing with, I don't, I'm pretty good in lockdown, but I'm not good with other things. So yes. other things that I struggle with, you would go, Harps, what are you doing? That's a piece of piss, right? Yep. And so you don't have to figure all this out by Tuesday and you don't have to solve and resolve everything. But what, what you are doing, which is more evolved than many, is you're recognizing stuff, you were talking about it, and you were starting to deal with it. And I hate to say this, but in general, women are better than this, better at it than men. Yes. Us men are not so fucking great at acknowledging shit and going, look, I'm a bit scared of this or I'm a bit uncomfortable with that because we want to think we're fucking alpha male warriors. We're not. Sometimes we are. Sometimes we're little scaredy cats and that's okay as well. And and I think the more that men on podcasts talk about being bit fucked, bit flawed, bit scared, bit inadequate, bit unsure, the more empowering that is for people because vulnerability is strength. Yep. You know, it takes strength to go, I don't have my shit together this week and I'm going to share that with the world mm. or I'm struggling a bit this week and I know I – I, part of me feels compelled to jump on here and be all upbeat and positive and amazing and high-fiving and high-performing. But guess what? If I did that, I'd be playing a role. Yes. Yep. And that, and we all get it. We all see through that. So you coming on here going, nah, I'm having a bit of a shit week, but I'm still doing my job. I'm like, well, good for you. Let's mm. chat about it. Yeah. Because, you know, I tell you what, there's a whole bunch of people listening to this who are having a shit week too. 
Yeah, absolutely. I call it that masquerading, you know, come on in here. And uh, I, I know just before it, I'm like, I should uh, jump on here and I should just park all those things away, those uncomfortable things. I'll put them in the back in the box and I'll just get on here and, and me and Harps for 50 minutes. We'll talk about how good the world is. But um, I love your point about, and I'm hoping that people are listening to this and go, it's okay to not be okay. Which brings me into the first topic I wanted to look at today is something that I call stop and reflect. And this is a practice that I'd like to be better at and I want to get better at, but it's something that I work with people that I work with, particularly when I'm running a two-day program on the start of day two, we have what I call a 20-minute stop and reflect piece. And what I do with the people is I ask them, there's five questions. And I say, for 20 minutes, I just want you to do it whatever way you do this. You might sit in silence for 10 and and then go and do something. You might scratch notes busily. You might go for a walk, whatever way you want to do this. But the questions that I put to them, the first one is, what challenged me yesterday? What made sense for me yesterday? What did I learn about me and others? What am I curious to know more about? And was there an oh shit or a light bulb moment for me yesterday? Here's, here's the interesting thing, and we go back to busyness from a couple of weeks ago. I actually leave the room harps when I do this because I don't want to feel like the fucking teacher in the room watching the students do their thing. Most times after about, I'm going to say, eight to ten minutes, someone will walk out of the room and very politely say to me, well, we're finished, we're ready. And one day a guy walked out, sort of representing the group. Um, he must have become the spokesperson. He walks out. He goes, well, Mark, we're ready for you. And I said, well, I'm not fucking ready for you yet because it's eight minutes. Get back in the room. And I walked back in after 20 and we talked about it. And it's just like we're trying to move on to whatever's coming next. What I want to get a sense from you of, you know, it's. I think it works nicely into that first bit today, but the importance of stopping and reflecting, even if it's for five minutes, 10 minutes a day, what's the importance for humans just to stop in the moment and reflect? We spoke to it in, in a, a macro way with the taken three days out of your life. That's a massive version of the five minutes. That's the micro. But I think little micro installments of stillness and reflection and awareness and nothingness, you know, they're crucial. But See, here's, here's the challenge with this stuff. Like people, even now, you know, people will listen to that and go, yeah, 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 nah, totally agree. Yep, keep talking. And no one's going to do it. This yep. is the fucking problem with personal development. This is the problem with podcasts. This is the problem with you and me talking. And by the way, I'm not being critical of anyone. I'm, I'm talking about how we humans are wired because I do the same. The answer to your question is, I think it is very important that we step out of whatever we're in momentarily, and that might be uh, geographically, just go to a, just leave your house and go to the beach or go to the park or go to the forest or whatever. Or it could be metaphorically stepping out, which is just stopping what you're doing and just reshifting your energy and your focus and your mind and your emotions and your body to some place in your head, right? That That's, you know, hitting the pause button. 
or it could be stepping out of a relationship. I don't mean leaving your partner, but just stepping out of a relationship for a day or an hour or a role or, you know, it's important because you can't have objectivity or or real perspective about the thing that you are in the middle of. And we're always in the middle of something. Like right now, I'm in a room, one of quite a few rooms in my house. Not that it's a fucking mansion, but most houses have quite a few rooms. (laughs) And I'm in my studio and it's a nice studio. But this is a bit of a metaphor for life. If all I ever did was operate from this room, my studio, I would never have any sense of my house. Yes. I would never have any sense of standing across the road from my house and seeing what it looks like. Maybe the fucking roof tiles have all caved in. Maybe the guttering's falling down. Maybe it needs to be repainted, you know, or maybe the top floor's not fucking there anymore. I don't know. But I know that if I spend my life in this studio, I can't see my house. I can't find perspective. Now, when I spend my life in, metaphorically, a room in that life and I never get out of that room to walk away from the room and away from all the rooms and away from the house in inverted commas and step back and say, what's going on? What happens is I lose the objectivity about where my life is going and how it's going. And what happens, the byproduct of this often is, and I've had this conversation 1,000 times plus, where someone goes, boom, I'm 50. Fuck, this wasn't my plan. Boom, I'm 45. This isn't where I thought I would be. And the truth is that person who says, oh, this wasn't my plan, no disrespect, more often than not, they didn't have a plan. And by plan, I mean structure, organization, process, accountability, timeline, actions. They didn't have a plan. They just had an idea of how their life would end up. And that's because they spent their life in that room. Yep. So being able to hit the pause button and go, what's working in my life? What's not? What's working in my career? What's not? What's great about this relationship? What's dog shit? What's toxic? Maybe nothing. Maybe something. Should I be in this relationship? Yes. No. Maybe. Am I at fault? How can I make it better? How can I serve that person, connect with that person? It's not about staying in something or leaving something. It's about being conscious of what we are in, what we are doing, how we live our life, how we communicate, how we manage our body, our business, our brand, our career, our lifestyle, our resources, our energy, our talent, our potential. Because we just end up sometimes, Mark, in this groundhog dayness of existence where, and now it's five years later. Yep. And and it's five years later in a week. Well, it seems like a week. I literally can remember conversations clearly that I had in my 40s. And that was a decade ago. Yep. Clear conversations. And I, I still go, how the fuck am I 57? I'm not 57. Uh, you know, old people are 57. <laughs> those old fucking humans, those 57-year-old dinosaurs. I'm not 57. Because nothing about me, and of course, I'm very aware that I'm 57 and this is not ego. This is just how my mind, I don't on any level feel my age, but nonetheless, I am. So I'm aware of it, you know, and I think that 
my long-winded answer is definitely being able to find moments in time. No, I'm going to say that better. I'm going to say create moments. Yes. Like here's the thing. we got 1,440 minutes in a day. Now, if you can't find, create, make, invest, donate, (laughs) 10, (laughs) you don't want to. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to. So that point you made about listening to this podcast and just wandering away now and, yeah, sounds like a good idea, but I, I don't end up doing it. Something that came to mind for me yesterday, I was working with a group of pretty senior leaders in a, with an educational organisation in New South Wales. And when we started our session, we're up to about session five. So we've had, we've had a good like nine hours together already. And, and we started and one of the group, after about three or four minutes, put a, a note in the chat that said, we're all a bit quiet today. And I let it roll for about two or three minutes and then I was waiting for someone to step in and go, hey, what's going on? Or what, what's that comment mean? And here's Mark, the facilitator, who's got a sort of a plan. We've got to get to a certain place today. We've got, we've got two 90-minute sessions in the day. We've got to be at a certain place by the end of the first one. But something inside me was going, there's something not quite right here. So this is to your point of that stopping piece is I actually said, what's that comment mean? Now, what happened in the end was that 50 minutes later, a conversation ended with one of the group very, very generously taking us to a a brilliant little five-minute activity off of the Headspace app, which I think was exactly what we all needed, but no one wanted to say anything. It was like, let's just get on with the work that we have to do today, the work of self. But what we discovered in that conversation is we're all a bit fucking flat, Mm. These are people in Sydney who are in lockdown, Mm. but also people working in a business that's had to go totally virtual. Mm. And they've been through a lot of stuff because they're regional. So they've been through bushfires and they've been through floods and all this sort of stuff, but they haven't fucking stopped. Mm. This is my point. We have a choice here as an individual, as I do, to walk past how I'm feeling at the moment or stop in it but also to do the same thing for others is that moment where you can serve others and go, there's a comment here that means something. Mm. If you're not prepared to look into it, someone's got to step up and go, Mm. what just happened then? And I think that's a great question. You, You said, what just happened? I like to say to people, what's going on right now? And then allow people to step into that. And this is why stopping and reflecting, I think is such a, powerful practice. So I just wanted to share that because I, I think after we did that, and you know what? Did we fall behind? For all intents and purposes, yes, we did with where we got to by the end of the day, but did we do important work? Fucking oath we did. Mm. It's good. And mm. I mean, you know, the thing is, I think when you're leading stuff like that, if you're too formulaic, you're not present. Yep. And if you go, oh, fuck, we've got to shut this conversation down because look at the time. Yeah. I love it when, oh, this is going to sound, I don't mean it, it's, it's going to sound, should I say it? I'm just going to say it because it's true. It doesn't happen that often, but sometimes I'll go on a podcast, not yours, obviously, and someone will come in and because, you know, they're a bit nervous or because they're whatever they're new or they, they don't have great skills at that point in time, they literally will come in with set questions. Yep. And so it doesn't matter where we're at in the conversation. 
<laughs> you know, we could be talking about the meaning of life and it's amazing and we're going out and instead of just building on that, then they go, question two, where did you grow up? I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> question three, what's your favourite colour? You know, it's like, oh, oh. And I feel like giving them a little coaching session at the end saying, you know, like be present. And it's hard because it takes, you know, confidence and a bit of skill. But I feel like, you know, when you're facilitating and like you do a lot of and and I do a lot of, you, of course you need a plan and you need a, you know, of course we're working within time constraints and we want to get through, depending on what it is we're doing, certain material or ideas or information. But at the same time, the way that we disseminate those ideas and that information uh, needs to be done somewhat organically yes. and intuitively because no audiences are the same. It's a, mate, I, um, I often get asked about um, how come there's no agenda? I didn't get the agenda. And it's <laughs> like, I'll tell you why there's no agenda. First of all, because fucking life isn't an agenda. And secondly, if at nine o'clock it says we're going to do a little icebreaker, you'll be ready for that. And if it, at 9.30 we're going to do a session on vulnerability, you'll be ready for that. And at 10 o'clock we're going to do having difficult conversations. You've already started to do this in your mind. That ain't the way that the world works when you're in the workplace or when you're in life. It's not like, hey, even though I can say I'm going to have breakfast here and do whatever, it's not as rigid as that. And I, 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 that's why I think stopping and reflecting and particularly I think all those questions are great questions, but I, you know, I try to understand and make sense of what the hell's going on. I think's important. And I think that's a really pertinent point for anyone who is, is a leader, is a coach, is a speaker, or wants to be a speaker, or wants to be a facilitator in that space, is to be aware of what, what is most empowering and impactful. Yep. And I can promise you it's not rattling through a list of dot points. No. It's fucking horrible, mm. you know. So we're about to kick off another mentoring program in a few weeks. And and literally, like some people want to know the syllabus. I go, <laughs> <laughs> one, I don't know what a syllabus is, right? Uh, two, I don't have one. And what happens is we jump on Wednesday nights at 8, and I have a few ideas about stuff I want to talk about. Tonight we might talk about metacognition, thinking about thinking, the way that our mind works, how we can maybe reprogram our thoughts and mind and learn new stuff, and or we could talk about your favourite food. I don't know where we're going, but that's my intention going in. But do I have any notes? No. Do I have dot points? No. I might have two or three ideas about what I want to talk about, but I can't plan for a conversation. It's like when I talk to you, we literally jumped on today at eight and I think we started recording at 8.01. Yep. Because you went, how are you going, mate? I went, good. You, you, yeah. Are you ready? I went, yeah. And we started because I mean, we can have our conversation now. We can bring everyone in. Yep. And you did. You went feeling a bit shit. Week's been a bit shit. And I went, all right, well, you're normal. Soldier on. You know, it's like <laughs> we don't need a 20-minute preamble to figure about what we're going to say in an organic conversation. Exactly. Um, that, that's um, I relate so much to the facilitation piece there. 
and you know the people want the syllabus. I I, I quite get asked this one. It's it's for the in the room program. So who's going to be in the room? What, what do you mean? So what titles will they have? How many years of experience? What other industries? What other businesses will be there? Wow. And who should we send? And I'm like, well, have you got any fucking humans in your office? Yeah. <laughs> and they go, yeah. I said, just send them. That's all I want to come along. Just you've got humans, haven't you? We get so caught up in, yeah. I wonder if I send Harps and Harps is in the room and he comes back and he says, that room is full of people who are two levels below me. Yeah. I didn't learn anything. Well, I'd be saying, well, I think Harps has got his head up his ass because yeah. you can learn from other people. It's just that you've gone in there with an attitude that, that, that leads me into where we're going now, and I love the way you do this, into this space of comparison. Yeah. So big moment for me last night. Um, for about one second, I was very proud, and then I compared myself to someone, and you might be able to work out who that is when I tell the story, and I'm sure the listeners will because you're helping me out here. Andy Ma sent me a, a, a picture of my Wooshka banner, and it said 10,000 and. 30 listens you've had of your podcast now. Well done, mate. And I went, that's amazing. What do you reckon the next thought was that went through my head? (laughs) Probably something about my show or me. (laughs) Yeah, but who cares? Let me just tell you quickly. It went, he has that many listens a day. (laughs) Well, not every day. No, I know. Yeah, we, we do. You know, but here's the thing. So you've had 10,000 listeners there was a time where I'd had 10. Yep. So I'm up to, what am I, I don't know, episode 515 or something, right? And, you know, I think by the time you get up into the hundreds and hundreds, you're going to be in a similar space, which is why I have so much faith in you. And because all that happens is I, I understand the comparison, but you you can't get better at the thing you're not doing. You can't master the thing that you avoid. You can't get to 10,000 listeners a day without first having one. Yeah. And then 10 and then 50 and then 100 and then 1,000 and then a couple of thousand. That's the that's the journey. We're just a different – I'm not better than you. I promise you I'm not a better podcaster than you and I'm not being humble, right? I'm not – I'm not – like the thing – and this is what we spoke about before. The thing that I'm fucking great at is not stopping. Yep. That's what I'm good at. I'm not talented. I'm not genetically gifted. I'm not the funniest bloke. I'm not the smartest bloke. I'm not the most creative. It's just that if I really want to do something, there needs to be a massive reason for me to not do that. Now, if I'd done 500 plus episodes and I was still getting 100 listeners a week, I'd probably go, well, I'm completely shit at this. Yeah. And 500 episodes, maybe I should pull the pin, <laughs> right? Because now I'm just deluding myself. But that's the thing is we live in, a, and again, I'm generalizing, but so much of a mindset that is about instant gratification, and I know that's not you, but, you know, I would say you've had 10,000 listeners, you're way ahead of a lot of people. Yeah. That's the other comparison. So, um there's two elements to this I want to, I think, will be really beneficial for the listeners because we're all human and we all compare. There's no doubt. We walk into a room and we compare. I want to go down lived experience path, but also a bit of the, I guess, the research academia around this and start there because I've got you in the room 
what what is the research around if there is any and if you know of any why is it that we walk into a room or whether we do human beings and automatically see someone and go they're better or they're smarter or they've got more education than me we've researched them what's what's going on there for us from a from a mind perspective yeah from a research I couldn't pluck any out any studies that come to mind, but uh, you know, intuitively, and you know, with what I understand about human beings, like that is what we do. Like we we are constantly assessing threats and danger and situations, and you know, some of it is we think that's you know somebody's better than us. They're going to beat us. They're going to win. They're going to embarrass us which is really just ego and and insecurity, you know, but I think what's important is in that moment to be able to reframe and go, what can I learn from this person? And these things are hard, right? Even even me now doing my study, in the, the study that I'm doing in the environment that I am in with the uh, people that I'm working with, like my my senior supervisor is the head of neuroscience for Monash University, Australia. He has got, I don't know, hundreds, maybe thousands of published journal articles. He's a straight-up genius. And I am, on a level, intimidated by him. Yep. But I don't want anyone else. I want to play tennis with the person that's infinitely better than me. Yes. Not the person that I can flog. So when I'm having a conversation, his name's Professor Murat Yussel with the good prof, when I'm having a conversation with him, especially about research and all the intricacies of a PhD and require, I'm just hanging on by the skin of my fucking 57-year-old brain, right? (laughs) But I don't want to swap it for anything. Yeah. Could I feel wildly insecure and inadequate around him? I could. And sometimes maybe I do, but guess what? I'm okay with it. I recognize it for what it is. And I think this is the next stage of perhaps self-awareness and evolution is going, oh, look what I just did. I just showed off. I just bragged. I just did something that shows my insecurity. I just want that guy's approval. I want that woman's approval. Look at, wow, I'm meant to be this fucking font of information and wisdom. I'm just an insecure dick, (laughs) you know? And again, none of this is about self-loathing. This is about awareness. This is about, oh, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Oh, that's what I'm feeling. You know, so too we're spending 10 minutes alone and still where you just become aware that that's almost impossible for you because you can't stop thinking about 60 things. Well, if that's the case, you definitely need to do more of this. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that idea of reframing. You know, what can I learn from that person, whether it be the prof or whoever? The, the recognition of that, I think, is really, really critical as well. Theodore Roosevelt, he, you know, his, his famous quote, comparison is the thief of joy. And um, and here's a Mark LeBusque one that I use, and it's just three simple words. Comparison corrodes confidence. Yeah. And, and, and I say to people that if you walk into the room with a, without reframing, and as I have, I walked into... Harvard uh, Kennedy School in 2014, um, having done something really stupid beforehand, read through the online brochure of who was going to be in the room and absolutely shit myself when I 
we'd already had pre-prepared where we were sitting and I'm sitting between eminent professors and second in charge of the Chicago Police Department and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? But it's a bit like with you, like after our first conversation, I'm like, that was all right. Mate, everyone's the same. Yeah. You know, one of my friends who may or may not have spent a bit of time in and out of Her Majesty's care in various penal institutions around the country is now a much different person, but he said, you're just another bare bum in the shower. Yep. Like that's what he talks about in prison. Like there's no, you're just another bare bum in the shower. You're just another human. You just, you got a brain, you got a mind, you got arms, legs, you know, you know, you're just another, you're just another conscious creature. But the, the intimidation comes from our thinking, not so much from their title or their status, but rather our response to that title or perceived status. You know, I had, um, like I've had some ridiculous people on, on my show and sometimes I'd, I'd do a bit of prep and I'd read about them and I'd go and I'd be fine. And then I'd read about them and I'm not fine. I'm like, okay, so this guy started Netflix. All right. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> I interviewed the guy who created Netflix, Mark Randolph. And I'm thinking, and I interviewed another dude called Professor Amit Goswami, who's maybe the smartest human I've ever met, who's a, a professor of theoretical quantum physics. And he basically lives at the intersection of mysticism, spirituality, and science. And I said to him 10 minutes into the interview, I said, I feel like I'm too stupid to interview you. <laughs> and he just laughed, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I really like that because, look, I, I, I did a little, a little humble brag, put the thing up on LinkedIn with the ten thousand listens, and someone came back and said to me, you know, really enjoying your podcast. I'm learning a lot. But then I stood back from that myself and went, not as much as me. Yeah. Like seriously, the learning, and I'm sure you've done for your five fifteen. I've done seventy five or seventy six. But every time I come off a podcast with someone, whoever it's been, it's like. I'm richer for the experience and the education. And I, I'm, my sense is for those who are listening and going, I'm always comparing myself is perhaps, as you said before, reframing it is to what can I learn yeah. from that person rather than how can I actually hold my own in the room and not look like some sort of dickhead who doesn't know as much as the other person. And also I think like this is what I do. I, I go, what do I want to be good at? It might be running. It might be computer programming. It might be, obviously, it's not for me. It might be doing a PhD, right? Whatever it is. And then I go, okay, what do I need to get better at? And what do I need to know that I don't know? And what skills do I need to develop that I don't currently have? And who can I talk to who is good at it? And so then I put myself in a really solution-focused, practical, strategic mindset. So I remember when I was in my 20s I and I set up Australia's first personal training centers and all that shit. So that was going a, a bit nuts. And I did a bunch of in, media interviews and the Herald Sun did a story on me. The Age did a story on personal training and specifically on my business in the whatever the careers section or something. And it was a double, it was massive. And I, I got lots of attention through that. And I ended up doing radio interviews and I thought, I would like to work in radio, not as my job, but I'd love to have my own show. And I'm like, how do you do that? Oh, you go to journalism school, you do this or that. I'm like, eh, I don't have time to do that. But so I contacted a few people and then I ended up getting my own show on community radio with 
I would say, seven listeners. Yep. And I did that for three years. Two days a week, I had my own radio show for three years with no one listening. But what I did was I got in front of a microphone. I got in front of a studio. I learned how to panel. I learned how to throw the brakes to come in and out of songs and ads and uh, station ID and time check and weather check and welcome back. It's triple X, blah, 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 or whatever I'm doing. And coming up next, we're doing da 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 and just talking, talking, talking. Then eventually I started working on Gold FM with Grubby and DD. I did six or seven years on there. Then I ended up with my own shows on um, Melbourne's Home of Sport, SEN All Sport All Day, 11-16. For like 12 years, I had my own shows, thousands of listeners, all that stuff. But again, I wasn't good at it, but I got good at it. Yeah. It wasn't a natural I just did the work. Like I had clarity about, well, what do you want to do? I'd love to have my own show on commercial radio. By the way, got paid fuck all. If you want to become rich, don't do that. Unless you're Hamish or Andy. <laughs> but what I loved was it's just fun. Yeah. And that's why when I started interviewing people for the podcast, I already had a running start because I was used to interviewing and talking to people and used to being on a, on a microphone. And by the way, as you know, and my listeners know, the, the U Project was my fourth attempt. Yes. It was my fourth podcast. The first three kind of just hung in the ether, spinning their wheels. And I kept figuring out, I'm like, well, I did one with Tommy, a friend of mine, which is called The Craig Harper Show. And, and it, was, it was cool, but the problem was we filmed everything with three cameras and there was then there's, and we just created this Goliath and there was way too much work. Yep. And that, you know, didn't work. Then I did another one with uh, Francis Leach, who's a well-known broadcaster in Melbourne, uh, Bianca Chatfield, who was vice-captain of the Australian netball team, captain of the Vixens. And we did it live, in or not live, but we did it in studio then. So we needed to get Francis and Bianca and then Melissa to produce and then me, and there was it was a nightmare. Then I did another one called the Australian Fitness Podcast. Well, that was not bad, but then the problem with that is it's too niche. Yeah. Yep. It's too niche. It's like, well, 90% of people are going, I don't want to listen to the Australian fitness podcast and 10 are going awesome, right? So coming up with a show that would relate to hopefully everyone at some stage where I it wasn't, you know, top heavy and I needed all these people in the studio and I had to have fucking nine cameras and editing. And so the U Project was a process of working through the shit that didn't work to find a model that suited my message, my style. And then it took five years to get where we are. Yep. So when people go, oh, look at you, you've just fucking fallen on your feet. Not sure haven't. <laughs> I've literally crawled up a fucking podcast hill on my knees for six or seven years. And we talked a bit about that last week, Harps, with the 31-year overnight success. And and you, you've said this quite a few times, either here or on your own, is about people being prepared to do the work. And that's the hard thing. It's like, yep. I had a crack, it didn't quite work, but I learned, and this is where I think going back to stop and reflect, what challenged me? What's making sense? What did I learn about myself and others? What am I curious to know more about? And you know, what were my, my light bulb moments? And people listening, I think one of the things for them to think about is you've got to be prepared to do the work. And what you've said in the very first podcast you come on with me is to be punched in the face every now and again, but get up again. And, and go. And uh, I love how you shared that four podcasts. Now we're sort of, we're getting some traction. Mate, let's wrap it up with, because I think this is a really good cause 
the beanies. The beanies are there now, I believe. Is that right? The beanies are on the shop? That's right. So the U Project beanies are in, which is good, and lots of people are sending me pictures of them and their bonts, their bonts with a hat on it with a U Project beanie. And so the Danny Frawley Health and Wellness Centre, which is under construction, be up and running about December. All the profit, all the profit from those beanies goes to that. And of course, Danny was a friend of mine and was on uh, my show not too long before he passed away. And I worked with him at St Kilda Footy Club. So it's a great cause. So we're excited to be doing something positive and keeping people's heads warm, Mark. Uh, if you want one of those, go to my website, which is craigharper.net or one word craigharper.net and click on shop and then buy 10 and give nine away. Absolutely. No pressure. The other thing, mate, is just before we wrap it up, the mentoring program. When's that kicking off? Oh, wow. Listen to you. You're like, it's like I set you up, but I totally didn't, everyone. Uh, so the mentoring kicks off on August 11, which is a Wednesday night, six weeks, eight till 10, quite freestyle, very interactive, lots of opportunity for Q&A. We do about half an hour or so at the end, which is just literally you asking me questions about whatever theme or topic we're on for the night. But having said that, quite often the group sets the agenda because people will ask something. And also, as we go, the live chat is off and on, which means is not off and on. It's often on, which means people can ask me stuff in real time. And sometimes someone will ask a great question and then I just kind of take a left turn and follow that because it seems to be of interest to the group. So, you know, there's no, as we were talking about before, there's no syllabus, there's no absolute dot point set content, but it's really a pretty informal but informative exploration into the human condition. And if you want someone to rub your back and tell you you're amazing and give you a trophy, it's definitely not for you. (laughs) But if you're ready to look up, step up, own up and do the work, and that's, look, I mean, you said that a minute ago, mate, but honestly, and we can talk about shit till we're blue in the face, all of us, all of us coaches and mentors, But nothing matters unless the person, the student, the participant, and this includes me as well, unless we're ready to do the work, and it's cliche, but it's just there is no value in just knowing something that you don't apply. Okay, so you've got knowledge. Great. Have you got transformation? Have you got growth? Have you got learning? Have you got development? Have you got skill? Have you got happiness? Have you got joy? Have you got purpose? Have you got fulfillment? Oh, we'll start fucking doing something. Yeah, I get frustrated because, not because of how it affects me, but I see people that are literally, Mark, more talented than me doing nothing, which, you know, one of the reasons I, when I met you and I went, wow, this guy is talented. He's a good communicator. He's the way that you go about producing your show is very professional compared to most, which are not. You're not sitting on the end of your bed with a laptop and your mum bringing you in a cup of tea for a start. That's good. That's always good. You don't have the dog barking in the background, right? So, you know, that's the thing is that when you when you just do the work, the lessons and the growth and the transformation happens in that the, the listening and the hearing is really important. But then what matters is what we do with that after we hear it or read it or learn it. So, mate, thanks for sharing. Hey, um, Here's what I'm thinking. If there are people that have this idea of I'm going to go to Harps' mentoring 
school because then I can tell people I've been to Harps' mentoring school, but I'm not going to fucking do anything with it. Maybe not a good place for them to be. Oh. They need to come in and do the work and – Definitely. Yeah, that's something that I reckon we can explore in uh, in the next. Even though we don't have any agendas, I, I'm, I want to get to explore what is the work. I think there's a great question around what is the work, mate. Thanks again. Always love these conversations and where they go. Thank you for some advice for me earlier on today and helping me to to, to sort of sort through some of my own shit uh, when times aren't as good as I'd like them to be, mate. Thanks again. Pleasure, mate. Really, really grateful to Harps today to sit there and listen while I shared with him that, you know, there's something going on at the moment. It feels like, as uh, our next door neighbour, Kate, has said to us that, you know, lockdown is um, is been chiselling away. And, you know, when I reflect on how I'm feeling this week, it's, it is successfully unfulfilled. It's like, you know, what is success? Is it all the trappings and things? It's all the outer stuff that we've talked about before. But uh, internally, there's just something that doesn't feel right at the moment. So, you know, we dug a bit deep into some of that stuff and, uh, and Harps has given me some advice, which was terrific. I hope you don't mind too much that he dropped me on the couch today with my teddy bear, which uh, was helpful for me. And I guess what I'd encourage there for anyone who's listening to this is that if you are having a bit of a shit time, that you don't hang on to it, that you... When someone asked you how you are, as Harps did to me before the episode today, I said, I'm not going that well, mate. Make sure that you speak up. So that's the first thing. I, I think that stopping and reflecting is a great way to be able to step into that space. You know, asking yourself questions. What, what's challenging me at the moment? What's making sense? What have I learned about myself and others? And what's my level of curiosity that I'm stepping into? And then the other thing is, am I having these oh shit, aha, or light bulb moments? And am I choosing, as we talked about today, to step into those um, and stop in the moment and go, what's going on right now? Versus just for a second thinking about it and then pushing it away and not doing the work. And, you know, Harp's made it really clear about why the work is so important. I love his example today about this is his fourth podcast he's doing. And he's had to do the work, going on community radio to then get to a certain point because he wanted to be on radio. And he just kept getting better at it rather than sort of giving up or comparing himself to others and going, oh, I'm never going to be able to do that. Really, really good, good advice today. The whole comparison piece, comparison corrodes your confidence. So we shared some personal examples with Harps, with his professor and me at Harvard, was that they were moments where you're shitting yourself and thinking, I shouldn't be in the room. I shouldn't be with this guy or I shouldn't be in the room with eminent professors or whatever they are, but loved his idea of, you know, if I'm going to play tennis, I want to play tennis with the best so I can get better and learn rather than play against someone I know I can absolutely flog the hell out of. So some great advice. And again, just want to finish up by giving him another plug uh, on that mentoring program that he's got starting up very, very shortly. I think it's in a couple of weeks' time. So again, get onto his website, craigharper.net. I'm sure you'll get plenty out of it if you go along. I think I'm actually going to sign up for this one because every time I get the chance to have a chat to this guy, it's a great chance for me to learn. Hey, if you like this episode, why not share it with your friends? And if you loved it, rate it five stars. But until next time, keep it simple, keep it practical, and keep it human. Bye for now.